0: Does this right off, we'll do this classically. Lulin Ben Yehuda, Eden. All right, uh, we are in chapter. Uh, we're at the end of chapter ten. Okay, and and in this chapter, largely the it's we're in Melachim Aleph, chapter ten. The main focus was on the the excesses and the the amount of luxury that Shalom's kingship was endowed with. Right. We In verse 26, we start talking about all of the horses he was acquiring Now if you look at Parshat Shofitim in the Torah That's like the first thing that a king is not supposed to do He shall not amass too many horses And he shouldn't send the nation back in order to buy horses And what is Shilomo going to do? He's going to amass many, many horses. We already know about cities that he built for the horses. So that's just extra labor that you're doing for no reason. And he's going to get these horses from Mitzrayim. So he's going to go in direct opposite to the law of the Torah in the book of Shofetim. Is this a military thing or is this like a wealth? Okay, so, so here is always something I thought about these mitzvot. What does it mean that he can't have too many horses? What if the military needs too many? Does that mean the, I, the Israeli Air Force can't have too many F, F-16s or whatever it's called? F-15s? Like, would that be considered too much of an excess? So, so uh, there are two potential explanations that I've heard for what this means. One is that kings didn't necessarily need a very large standing army. To have an a, a army that's constantly on payroll as a standing army... Is something that who would do? It's only kings that were constantly looking to do battle Now, it's not, you're not always defending yourself So to have a standing army You're typically doing it because You're constantly trying to, to conquer other people's lands So in this way, what the Torah is basically saying is Don't have so many people on the constant military payroll Instead, rely on the civilian army Which is normal people that are at their jobs who have military training and know how to use a sword, or in these days a, a, a gun. And then, when war comes, you activate those people to defend yourself, like a reserve. But, or a like draft. A reserve. And that's yeah. basically how it works in Israel. The, the the vast majority of Israel's military ability is in the reserves. You know, it's a very small sliver of the population that's actually standing in the army at any given time. It's definitely not enough to fight a real war, and and that's because Israel's entire Army is built off defense. Israel has zero intention to conquer lands. You know, the only reason we took the lands in 67 had no intention of doing so, but they conquered us, and then we saw, you know, this land. We had to push them back. We we need to push them back, and now to, to better our line of defense, we need to establish grounds further out so we have, you know, an easier place to defend, right? So that's the whole concept behind the way Israel is structured, and I think that may be the idea behind what the Torah expects of the king. Okay, so that's one interpretation that the, the use of having so many standing horsemen that would just live as horsemen on payroll as horsemen is unnecessary unless you're looking to conquer other lands, which is not a Jewish thing. So it's completely for military purposes. That would be one, one possibility. Okay. The other possibility is that this was horses that were like for the glory of the king. It was like the kind of horses that You know, like you ever see these like a military Saudi prince shows off Yeah, like exactly like a, exotic, like a prince yeah, shows off man. some exotic thing In which 200 horsemen are running before them For no reason other than to show the glory And the wealth of the king Or for some like Enjoy some, um, some hobby that the king has yeah. In collecting horses Then that would be the other interpretation Of why this is Asur it's like, No, the king You're using the people's money Don't build for yourself some elaborate hobby of acquiring too many horses Because you're doing it at the expense of the people And it's absolutely unnecessary Okay, so those would be the two interpretations of Why a Jewish king shouldn't amass too many horses And uh, yeah, okay Pasuk Kaf Zayn so, well, let's go back to Kafav because it's the beginning of the thing. There was one thousand four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horses, and he put them in the cities that were designated for the the chariots, and he kept them in Jerusalem, in the main capital city. By the way, maybe a hint that this these were not for military purposes because he doesn't station them on like the borders, it's, it's, you know, to yeah. protect the borders. Also, so like speaking in they're, the middle They're of stationed all of in his like riches. the capital city. Like yeah. talking about all of his riches before and after. So yeah, exactly. Like and it's also talking, exactly. It's also in the context and of, and of the riches. That's a good point I didn't make. It's in the context of the chapter talking about all of Shilomo's riches. So that's another thing. Pasuk of Zion. Silver in Yerushalayim became like, like stones Nobody cared about silver Who needs silver? It's like a, like a rock Because they were it, so rich or because, yeah. because they were Well, so rich, it's, so rich. it was actually a makhluk That we were saying Is he also because He had this weird Like propensity to just To just uh, acquire, gold. acquire gold So when you import so much gold So then the value of all the metals come down It's not like a, You know, they didn't necessarily have An incredible economy But they had a lot of gold You know Kind of like America today so the silver became like stones. And Erez, which is like the most valuable type of wood, became like a shikma, which is a cheap kind of tree. I don't know, sycamore, sycamore. Asher shefela that you have very, very much. Uh, you have plenty of in the in the lowlands. Okay, apparently sycamores are very, very common. And the source of the, susim, of the horses that Shlomo had, We're coming from Mitzrayim. Very difficult pasuk to translate. Um, an association of the king's traders would purchase as an association at a set price. Okay, so it seems like the association of traders were buying in bulk at a set price. Something like that. I don't know exactly what it means. But the source of all these horses was from Mitzrayim. And these were the prices. They would go and the Merkava, a chariot from Mitzrayim, would go for 600 silver pieces. And a horse would go for 150 silver pieces. And then... So would it be for the other kingdoms Like Malchei HaChitim malche Aram That they would sell them for these prices I don't know exactly why that's included Maybe Bnei Israel also got involved in selling the horses So it said they sold it to Malchei Chitim And malche Aram and so on uh, Let's do a little bit more Pasuk Yud Alef. We'll stretch as much as we can uh, Chapter 11 Yud Aleph And Shilomo loved many foreign women Many foreign women Including Bat Paro. And Mo'aviot, Amoniot, Adomiot, Sedoniot, Sedniot, Chitiot—all of these different women from Mo'av, Amon, Edom, Sidon, and from uh, the Chitim. How come from the beginning? This is a, something we haven't really talked about. How come from the beginning, Shlomo didn't marry like a Jewish woman? I guess like why did he took a daughter of Paro from Egypt? Now they're just talking about women from all these other names. It's a good question. We'll discuss more tomorrow. This is like the biggest thing.